Well, hey guys, thanks so much for joining us here today, wherever you're joining us from. As you can tell, things are a little bit different here than uh, they have been in the past, which I'm sure is true of wherever you're joining us from. I'm sure it's true in your life right now as well. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn on over to Exodus chapter five. We're gonna be there in just a minute. Um, I remember exactly where I was when 9-11 happened. And it was kind of a surreal feeling. I was, I was younger, I wasn't married. And I remember this just almost unreal feeling as you saw those towers fall and you realized a lot of things were shifting, a lot of things were changing very quickly, right? And then I remember the crash of 2008 and 2009. And this time I was at a little bit different point in life. I was just starting a family. And so it had a whole different kind of weight to it and seriousness um, in my heart at least. And now now, this year, 2020, man, how fast things change, right? I mean, you remember the good old days like a week ago, right? Isn't it crazy how fast this thing's happening? And, and now for me, I don't know where you're at, but for me, you know, the weight of leading a church and leading a ministry and, you know, supporting staff, families and all that, it's a whole different thing for me. And I bet a lot of you are in similar places. You know, if you're maybe in your 20s, you, you don't really remember 9-11 and even the crash of 08, 09 is kind of a distant memory and you probably didn't even really know it was going on. But for some of you, so maybe for some of you, if you're younger, if you're in your teens or something, this whole thing feels a little bit surreal. Like, you know it's happening, but it's just kind of surreal, right? Others of you, you have young families right now and you're pretty concerned as you look at your job, as you look at your rent, um, and just wondering how, how is all this stuff gonna work out? Many of you are in leadership positions in our church where you have staffs and you have teams and you have employees that are depending on you. And there's a whole different weight you're carrying through this thing. And then some of you are actually in a vulnerable risk group. And not only are you worried about your kids and your grandkids and their futures and, and everything as you're going into it, in the midst of this, you're concerned about yourself and your health and the fact that you have vulnerability in this uh, crisis as well. And so here's what I want you to know. As your pastor, I want you to know I love you. We as a church, we love you. I love you. I'm concerned about you. I, I really miss seeing you face to face. It's, it's really not a lot of fun preaching to an empty auditorium, but I'm not. I'm with you guys and I know you're with me right now. But I, I miss seeing you face to face. And so today what I wanna do is just really share some thoughts with you that I hope will really encourage you. Now we've been in this series called Out of Darkness in Exodus. And this week we were actually scheduled to go into the plagues which is a little bit ironic, I think, uh, the timing on that one, huh? when we planned this series out at the end of last year. But instead of really diving into that portion of scripture here today, I just want to kind of pause and I want to go back and highlight something from chapter five and six. And then I want to speak into some specific things that I think we need to remember as followers of Jesus during this time we find ourselves in. Now, just to catch you up real quick and remind you, uh, Moses, he goes into Pharaoh and he tells Pharaoh, hey, God, Yahweh says, let my people go. 
Uh, they want to go out. Let my people go. And Pharaoh basically responds, who's God and who are you, right? Um, no way. I'm not letting the people go. And then instead of it getting better, what we see in the situation, God has made these incredible promises to redeem his people, to release his people. But instead of it getting better, it goes from bad to worse. So just to remind you, if you were with us earlier in the series, if not, this will catch you up. So it said this, that that same day, Pharaoh sent this order to Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen, do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. So things went from bad. They were already slaves in under a terrible oppression and things go from bad to much worse right away. The next verse in, in verse 19 says this, the Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. They knew, hey, we're in big trouble right now. Now, I think these few verses from chapter five that we looked at just a few weeks ago really um, kind of describe where a lot of us found ourselves in over the next or the past week, right? The news just went from bad to worse. It's, it was almost like every hour, right? Every day you'd get up and it just, it's like it's going from bad to worse, hasn't it been? And it's just like them, you know, the first time, this is the first time they've ever been through something like this. This is the first time that they've had to meet a quota and now they're not given straw. It's the first time. And for you and for me, man, this is the first time in most of our lives that we have ever gone through something like this. It is the first time in almost everyone alive's uh, living memory that we've had a pandemic like this go around the world. And yet in the midst of that, God is with us in the midst of that. God is in control. Exodus 6, 6 says this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, and I love this because God says, I, over and over, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. He goes on, verse 7. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with, with uplifted hand to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. And how is he going to pull all this off? Because I am the Lord. I am God. There's no one else that can do this. There's no one else that can get you to where you need to be other than me. It's, it's an incredible promise God gives to these people who are oppressed and who are frightened and who are full of anxiety and who are under this crushing burden of going through something they had never been through before. But here's the thing. In the midst of that, like Jason said last week, they couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't even hear it. Because the, the circumstances they found themselves in, it was just so hard to believe these promises. And so Moses, after God tells him this, he goes and tries to tell the people of Israel. He, he reports it. He says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. And here's the truth, guys. Maybe this is what you're experiencing in your life a little bit right now, is that in the midst of change, in the midst of crisis, we can lose sight 
of the unchanging truth of who God is, that he is with us, that he, he, he's in control still. And it's very easy in the midst of that to not be able to hear the good news, not be able to hear the good because our hearts are just in so much turmoil from what we're going through. It's very easy to find ourselves just anxious and afraid. And so in the midst of this, I just want to speak some words of encouragement to you and some thoughts and some things we need to remember in this season as followers of Jesus. And if you're joining us and you've not yet decided to follow Jesus, um, when we're done at the end of this message, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But in the meantime, these are some, some things that I think are so key as a follower of Jesus. If you're going to make it through this next season that we all find ourselves in right now together without experiencing anxiety and fear or without letting that control you and with your hope firmly placed in God. And here are those things. Um, as followers of Jesus, we need to remember first that we are called to be a non-anxious presence. We're called to be a non-anxious presence. You know, one of the things Jesus most frequently says in the Gospels is fear not. Don't worry. Fear not. Don't be afraid. It's one of the, one of the most frequent things Jesus says. In Matthew 6, verse 25, he says this. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Do not be, do, be worried about your life. He goes on, he says, as to what you'll eat or what, what you'll drink or how much toilet paper you have in your pantry. I doubt he said that. But that's the point, right? Don't worry. And it's like, how do you do that, Jesus? How do you do that? Remember these guys, he says this to his disciples 2,000 years ago who had all sorts of worries. Um, we have so much more when it comes to a, a, a social security blanket, um, you know, as far as our programs and government. And uh, none of us, come on, none of us are really worried about starving, right? You're just worried about running out of your favorite thing when you go to the store. But really, none of us are worried about starving in the midst of this. This is really a pretty great time to be alive in the history of the world. But in spite of that, they, they're like, Jesus, how do you do that? Just like today, we say, Jesus, how do we do that? How do we not worry? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about. And for so many of us, we find it almost impossible not to worry, right? And so let me just say, there's a, there's a difference in life between caution and anxious worry. And this is really a time for all of us to be cautious, isn't it? I mean, we know that. Um, this is a time when we need to be cautious, especially some of you in the more vulnerable populations. You need to be cautious right now. It's a good thing to be cautious. Caution is appropriate in this situation, right? When it comes to what we're facing with this pandemic. But there's a real difference between caution and anxious stress and anxiety. And you know what that is in your life. Caution is the good side that, you know, helps you avoid um, danger. But then there's the worrying, there's the, some of you really struggle with this, others are kind of easygoing, right? But some of you really struggle with this underlying worry that is almost crippling, this anxious stress. And that's actually very unhealthy. I found this quote as I was studying this week, and 
this may not be encouraging to you right now because you're probably struggling with this, but here's what it says, especially since we have a pandemic on the loose, right? Stress and anxiety have a tremendous impact on our immune system. We know excess levels of stress produce hormonal changes that lower the body's resistance to colds and other infections. You're like, oh, great. Now I'm stressed out. And now I got to worry more about, you know, so anyway, uh, that might not be encouraging, but he, he gives some keys to, to knowing if you're experiencing anxiety and stress. And I'm guessing a lot of you that, that don't even, uh, are, don't really struggle with stress and anxiety might be experiencing some of that right now. He said, are you, do you feel edgy and cranky? Uh, do you find yourself fighting with your family and friends or coworkers a little more easily, losing your patience? That's a sign that you might be under some real anxiety and stress in your life. Do you feel agitated all the time, right? I mean, I could go down this list and over the past week um, and, and just be like, ah, check, right? Check. Is your stomach tied in knots? Are your sleep patterns disrupted so that you're either sleeping too much or not enough? Those are all signs and just sort of warning bells that, hey, there's a lot of stress and anxiety that I'm experiencing in my life. And so Jesus says, don't. Jesus says, stop. And it's like, come on, Jesus, how do you really do that? And the truth is, you can't just stop wor worrying, right? It's like you can't um, stop thinking about, you, you've tried to stop thinking about someone, right? I'm going to say pink elephant. And now stop, don't think about a pink elephant. Doesn't work, right? You can't just stop worrying. There's an action that's necessary. And the Apostle Paul tells us what that is in Philippians 4, verse 6. He says this, be anxious for nothing. Now, here's how, you, here's how you get there. There has to be a positive action to get there. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then, so it's as you... You have to convert that anxiety and stress into something. And the Apostle Paul says you need to convert that into prayer. You've got to convert it into prayer. That's the only way you can deal with this. Convert it into prayer. And then as you do this, by everything, as you say, Lord, I'm just struggling so much in this area. Lord, I'm worried about my future. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my older parents. I'm worried about all these things. God, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to give this situation to you. And then the peace of God, which you and I need in this circumstance we're in. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's an active thing. It's an active thing. And so we are called to be a non-anxious presence as followers of Jesus. And man, that is so needed in our interactions with others during this time. The, the world so needs somebody to come and just say and, and be that non-anxious presence around them. Second thing we need to remember as followers of Jesus. And really, these are things that are going to help you get to that non-anxious state, to, to being a non-anxious presence. The second thing is this. We know this is temporary. See, as believers, we have a framework for understanding that this world is fallen that this world's not as it's supposed to be. And we also know that there's coming a day when Jesus returns that everything will be remade as it is supposed to be. When everything, when heaven meets earth, it, you know, an amazing time when he'll wipe tears from our eyes, right? And so on a, on a big kind of eternal perspective, we know that it's temporary, but then also um, we know that even this 
this season will pass, guys. It's a temporary thing. If you study viruses and pandemics, they always go in bell curves, which is why you're hearing so much language about flattening the curve, right? But it goes up and then it goes down. And so we're in this for a while. We don't know how long. We need to stay strong. We need to stay encouraged. We need to fight this thing, right? But it's, it's temporary. This too shall pass. We're going to be back together, guys. We're going to be face to face. We're going to be enjoying great times of fellowship. We're going to be enjoying Paul games and going out to restaurants before you know it. This will pass, right? So we know that on sort of a, a, a life scale, but on a larger scale, and when we compare what we're going through right now to eternity, this is really, you got you to gotta hold this. You got to always keep in mind what we're going through right, right now with the eternal perspective. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And you got you to gotta maintain that eternal perspective that no matter what is going down here, that this life is so temporary. It allows you to, to walk through things that are very difficult, to walk through loss, to walk through um, circumstances that would normally just freak you out with an understanding that puts it all in perspective, that, that there is something coming for us, that eternity is there and everything we're going through right now pales in comparison to that. So we know this is temporary. Um, the third thing is that we know our source of security is not in this world. This is so important. We know our source of security is not in this world. It's so important to remember right now. I know for many of you, uh, the concern that you're facing right now is not nearly um, so much concern for your own safety when it comes to the virus, but man, the economy, right? I mean, when I think about this, when I look at it, gosh, that's one of the biggest things I'm concerned about is what are we going to do? How are we going to make it through this? We've worked so hard to get where we are. And I'm sure you're, you're kind of looking th at life a lot in the same way, right? And so it's good just to, just to be reminded of, of what Jesus says when it comes to our source of security. He says this, when it comes to our stuff and our relationship with our stuff, he says, Don't, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the famous passage where Jesus goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God. And, and when you have this kind of relationship with your stuff, you can sure weather the storms of life a lot better without it eating you up inside. Um, Paul reminds us too in Timothy that when it comes to our relationship with our stuff, here's what he says. And I'll remind you that even with what we're going through, um, many, many, many people in nations around the world would love to switch positions with you and with me. And so Paul says this in 1 Timothy um, 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Their hope. Nothing wrong with having stuff, right? But it's what you put your hope in. 
Not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Yeah, go back and look at your 401 three weeks ago, right? So uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our own enjoyment. He goes on and says this, command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In other words, there's an investment strategy that makes much more sense when you look at the eternal perspective. And if somehow, if you can keep that in your heart and in your mind, man, it'll help you go through these, these ups and downs so much, um, with so much more peace, right? In fact, Paul says this about his life, and this is one of the most famous, this is like the gym verse, this is your coffee cup verse, you know, this is God's gym with this buff, like, guy, you know, on it, and uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You've heard that. But, but I love the, the context, and I think it's so important to remember the context of what Paul is saying when it comes to this and where it comes to our source of security. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I also know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's your source. That's the place your confidence is in. So that is the third thing. The fourth thing is this. We have the greatest promise, and that's the promise of his presence. The promise of his presence. And Jesus, when he's with his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, this huge storm comes up and they're freaking out. Jesus lays down in the boat and goes to sleep. But in the middle of that, his disciples wake him up. They're freaking out. Lord, Lord, are you going to let us drown, right? And he wakes up, shh, calms the sea, which is my prayer. So he will calm the storm in your heart right now. He, he says, hush, be still. And then he asks him this crazy question. Why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? And as I read that this week, it was like, why are you so afraid? Are you, are you serious, Jesus? Look at the circumstance. But the point is they lost sight of who was with them in that boat. They lost sight of who was right there. And that makes all the difference in the world. And this is really the greatest promise of God's promise is that he is with us. Isaiah 43, he says this, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. His promise. When you pass through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. All of this, why? I, I, will, I will be with you. It's the greatest promise. In the New Testament, that's echoed to us in the book of Hebrews, where Jesus, where God says to us, hey, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So the greatest promise is whatever we go through, he's with us in that. He's with us. And the fifth thing is this, and this is so important, guys. We have a hope that goes beyond this life. Not only is our security not anchored in, in, in just the temporal, what we see, uh, but in the eternal. But we have a hope that goes beyond this life. 
And this, as, as followers of Jesus, if you're here and you're watching, you're a follower of Jesus. Man, this is so important as you have conversations with people, as you reach out to people. It is to communicate that you have a hope that even in the most dire of circumstances, we have a hope that goes beyond this life. And so we should be able to approach life with a fearlessness that others do not. This is so important as you, as you reach out to those around you, that you give them and you communicate this hope that lives inside you. Peter says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lives within you. Paul says it this way. He says, hey, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. I mean, this guy went through so much. It's, it's, it's incredible. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And, and why do they go through all this? Why, why did they manage to maintain hope through all this? It's because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. We have an eternal hope. This is the hope of the gospel. And nothing's more powerful in times of crisis, in times of disease, in times when people fear death than the gospel. In fact, we know the end of the story. I referenced it earlier, Revelation 21.4. Then God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will pass away. And this is the hope that is going to allow you to courageously step into this world that desperately needs hope right now. You know, this was the hope that they gave the early followers of Jesus when the plague swept through Rome. It gave the followers of Jesus the courage to actually stay and care for the sick. It gave them the courage to, to literally put their own lives at risk. And because of that, it transformed the world. It transformed the Roman Empire. Countless people came to know Jesus in the hope of Jesus because there was a people who knew that we have a hope that goes beyond life. There was a people who didn't fear death. And so here's what I want to do as we close today. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And what I want you to do, and this may feel weird to you, but I want to invite you to do this. Uh, two groups of people. Number one, our, our congregation, followers of Jesus, that you, you just feel some anxiety through this. And come on, we all do. And you need more of God's peace. You need these, these promises and these things to be, be real in your heart, not just things in your head right now, right? I want you to just invite you to hold out your hands like that. Just stretch out your hands. And I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you to experience peace. And then I'm going to give those that maybe, actually, let's do this first. That, that there's some of you watching this right now that you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And this hope that goes beyond this life, you haven't embraced that hope for yourself. And so what I want to invite you to do right now, before I pray for the others whose hands are stretched out like this, I want to invite you also to stretch out your hands, but I want to invite you to repeat a prayer like this after me. You know, the, the beauty of the gospel is that it's a free gift, that we turn our lives to Jesus, that we embrace what he did for us when he died on the cross and he rose again. Romans says, if you confess 
with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so pray a prayer like this after me right now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot get to the Father or to heaven on my own. Only by your grace. And so I embrace what you've done for me. I want to ask you to to come into my life, come into my heart. I want to live my life for you. Forgive me, save me in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all my other friends out there, I just want to ask that you would um, give them peace right now. As they stretch their arms out to you, Lord, would you just fill them with the presence of your Holy Spirit right now? That you are good. That you are awesome. You are loving. You are kind. You have this. You have their future. You have their kids. You have their grandkids. Lord, just fill them with that right now. Let them feel that, experience that. Give them hope, give them peace, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Hey, stick with me for just another minute. I want to give you some real practical action steps before you sign off. The first is just, hey, take the things Jason said earlier uh, to heart when it comes to connecting in community and staying connected digitally as best you can. Let's support each other during this time. And then I just want to remind you about these two email addresses, prayer at LifeGJ and help at LifeGJ. And these are both places we want to be praying for you and helping support our church family during this time. And then also people have been asking about how how do we give during this time when when we're not there to give in the black giving box. And so here's how you do it. It's real easy. Just go to our website, lifegj.org forward slash giving. And there's some instructions right there you can read for either mailing checks into the church or for setting up automatic or one-time online giving. Uh, We have a great, easy program set up that can do that. I encourage you, in fact, you might consider starting an automatic ACH gift to the church. And I know some of you are going through some real hard times right now, but let me just speak to those who are able to continue giving. Man, your gifts will help us continue to reach our community and support our staff pay the mortgage, all these kind of things during this hard season. So I want to encourage you to keep giving. And then I also want to encourage you just, would you stay in prayer? Prayer is powerful and it's effective. I believe that. Let's be praying for our leaders as we're instructed to do in scripture. Let's be praying for our medical professionals. I got an update from someone uh, who works at St. Mary's, uh, her daughter, she comes to the church and her daughter works at St. Mary's. They're about ready to be on the front lines of fighting for our country. And so keep them in your prayers as they put themselves in harm's way. And then really, let's pray for a rapid decrease in this pandemic worldwide. I believe prayer is powerful. And so let's be, let's join together as the church and be serious about praying for this. And then I I, want to say, hey, make the most of this time as a family. There's not many opportunities we get in life to have to slow down like this. And I know you probably weren't planning on being locked in your house with your kids for the next few weeks, but don't miss the opportunity to connect relationally with each other. 
to make use of some of the, the kids ministry resources we have and to have those conversations with your kids, pray with your kids. Don't miss those. You may look back at this as one of the best seasons in your family life that you've had. And then finally, I just want to really encourage us all. Let's be the church in our circle of influence. You know, as we've been working on vision and values this year, a phrase that you're going to hear us start talking about frequently is this. My circle, my responsibility. My circle, my responsibility. And here's the thing. As the church, it's our responsibility to help you continue to grow in your faith in Jesus so that you can reach out to your circle of responsibility, which is your neighbors, your family, your friends, your coworkers, those in your life. And so I want to encourage you, be the church. Start praying about how can we be the church in whatever our circle of responsibility is? How can we share the hope we have in Jesus? How can we encourage? How can we reach out to those around you? And finally, really keep an eye out. We're going to have some great service opportunities that are coming just in, in the coming weeks where you can actually reach beyond the doors of the church and serve the community. I want to encourage you to keep an eye out for those. God bless. We'll see you next week.